Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. What's up, guys? It's Mike and Mark from LRMOnline.com, bringing you another uh, episode of LRM TV Podcast, which we have an eventful podcast episode this week where we get to recap so far what we've seen of the big four-part crossover event between Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and we haven't watched Legends of Part just yet. We're actually recording it while it's on right now, but we'll kind of give our expectations and kind of the, the feel, the, the vibe of how everything's going. Also, recap a crazy mid-season finale in Gotham and basically sets up for an interesting second half of uh, season three of Gotham and then kind of dabble into the big pay-per-view or lackluster pay-per-view, if you want to call (laughs) it that. Um, WWE has going on with the TLC uh, and the lack of matches already um, posted on the card. And then we'll just kind of talk about uh, some interesting news, theories that have been popping up about uh, Power Rangers this week and also Rogue One. Um, I'm super excited. We're just about two weeks away uh, from the almighty Darth Vader coming back into action. So I'm super excited about that. But before we get into that, let's get into the show that we normally start off with, and that is Gotham. Um, To me, hands down, best episode uh, of the series, of probably the entire series, and it just kind of sets up a uh, pretty much uh, an exciting second half of season three, with every story kind of left on a cliffhanger where you're either talking about Bruce and dealing with the Court of Owls, uh, Nigma finally plotting his revenge against Penguin, and then, of course, um, it seems like every finale or mid-season finale, we get um, Jim Gordon killing someone. So this guy <laughs> is basically got murder, you know, capped off. I mean, him and, and Oliver Queen are... are basically fighting to see how many people they're going to actually kill uh, on this show. So, uh, Mark, I'll let you get into this because this is kind of your your show, your thing. Uh, what do you think about this latest episode, mid-season finale? The past two episodes uh, of Gotham have been um, by far, I would say, the best of this season, but let alone, I, I think, especially the last episode. It was, I agree, probably one of the better of the series. Um, just the all of the uh, cliffhangers and plot twists. Um, it was just extremely well done. I really think the way that it is set up is to really make the second half of the season take off. Um, I feel like every character is in some sort of a messed up situation right now. Like usually the mid season finale is like, yeah, there is a cliffhanger with one or two or a couple characters, but I seriously feel like every character is in some sort of trouble. Right. Um, you know, like you looked at, um, you know, even if you look at the probably the weaker part, which would have been, um, you know, Bruce, Selena, Alfred, that's even picking up. Um, 
I was surprised that Alfred killed Talon. Yeah, that was um, crazy. I did not see that one coming. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all, but maybe there's, you know, like always a quote-unquote Talon. Tal- yeah, you know that's mean? exactly what I thought right after it happened. Is that... Even because, yeah, because especially if you look at the like uh, the comics when Batman's fighting, like Talon and Batman at that time are around the same age, right. kind of. Um, and then so there's that gap there, so maybe there's always just a Talon. Uh, but, you know, and then Selena's mom came into the picture which was completely random i didn't see that coming at all and actually my wife called that before i even got it which props to her um but you know so they're obviously running from the court of owls trying to figure out what they have now from the safe what the importance of it is um you know then you obviously have the the one that i'm excited for is really the enigma cobblepot uh, just because I thought that was really lacking in the first half of the season. Uh-huh. But what I think it's going to do is the, the, I feel like the times that you've seen Penguin be at his best is when he is pissed off about losing someone he loves. And since that's what Nigma kind of was, I really think this is going to bring Penguin back to the old one that we knew. And I think you're going to really see a battle of wits between he enigma going back and forth at each other right um but really even enigma is not in a great position either because yeah he's helping out barbara but then you know he's got to deal with butch and tabitha who you know he obviously just tortured two episodes ago um and then obviously gordon who i thought that part was some some great writing just the way that he was set up you know, to come in and look like the jealous boyfriend, which was exactly how he came across. Um, and then at the end when he shoots Mario and Lee has no idea that he was coming after her. The yeah, knife, and then the the knife, knife, knife wash away. The, oh my gosh, yeah. And so, and not only that, but Carmine Falcone gave w- one kind of stipulation that that was bring him back alive right obviously that didn't happen falcone and gordon already have issues between one another so i mean that's just like all of this is just gonna blow up i feel like yeah i mean that that whole like last scene right there the cliffhanger scene where you know gordon is walking in and you see mario in in with the the touch blood um you know the virus overtake him that was crazy but i did not see it as like he was gonna basically shoot him and then basically all the evidence just kind of washes away and that's that's it you know so the only thing he's gonna have going for him is maybe that the blood test that uh mario did have the the virus after all yeah so do you think that lee will get the virus now because you saw the blood splatter over her um, yeah, and so could that possibly be that the, she gets the touch virus, and then that kind of leads into the second half of the season of him trying I, to save Lee, and then she <clears throat> becomes enraged and starts going after him. Another psycho ex girlfriend trying to kill Jim yeah. Gordon, you know. I think what I would like to see is maybe not that happen because I, I like they did it with Barnes, they've done it with Mario. I don't want him to like continually overdo it. I guess right. What I think would almost be more interesting is if, like, Lee, I feel like she's going to be in a state where she just kind of leaves or 
doesn't even want to know the results of the blood or something along those lines, doesn't believe it. I think that's probably a better route for her to take. Um, And and really, I don't think Falcone's going to care one way or the other. Like, you know, he's just going to be. He's just going to be pissed. Yeah, I think Gordon. we're getting the old Carmine Falcone back. Yeah, the, I think this is. Yeah, I think this is him coming out of retirement, and I really feel like somehow all of these plot lines are all going to come together near the end of um, this season. Because if you think about, it, like, we obviously know how the Court of Owls are connected to Bruce. We're we're seeing that pretty mm-hmm. straightforward. We know that they're connected to Falcone, right? Because she even said, you know, um, your son is safe at least from us, right? which was true, like she knew something. But then also, if you remember a couple episodes back, she was speaking to um, Cobblepot as well. Remember when she right, had said, like, right, we've, right. we've yep. had our eye on you? So I feel like closer to the end of, and with Gordon, someone, so one of his family members is involved, whether it's his dad or someone. So I feel like all we've kind of had like three separate storylines going along and mm-hmm. i really feel like near the end here they're all going to come together yeah i mean definitely um the the enigma storyline intrigues me the most because now we gotta we we have yet to see enigma really take over as kind of the the leader of you know the underground world or whatever you want to call it because right. first two seasons he was working for gotham pd so um i'm hoping to see kind of this second half of the season as we see the the true enigma riddler um that we you know are used to in the batman comic books and stuff like that and especially teaming up with barbara and butch uh and tabitha that we get to see the manipulation of mm-hmm. kind of the the, un, the the underground families the mob families manipulating um penguin to basically lose everything so that's well not only that yeah. i feel like they all are so manipulative so like yes. you have Cobblepot, you have enigma you have barbara like they're all just ridiculous well i mean even butch and tabitha mm-hmm. like they're all so manipulative that like I, I i think the dynamics of the group are constantly going to be tested right. and we as the viewers aren't going because of the way that they carry themselves like aren't really going to know what direction they're going yeah so what character are you hoping to see that uh maybe we've already seen or uh in this in this show or haven't seen yet in the second half of the season um i i really want to uh, i i think see more of the court of owls mm-hmm. um like we know they're there we've seen but like i really want that to be more of the kind of main plot that that we start to see more i'm actually really excited to see um falcone back in it because right yeah one of my favorite things uh even from the jeff loeb and tim sale long halloween uh graphic novel was always the um like the the mob versus the freaks sort mm-hmm. of thing you know how it was like uh joker and all the others were like just kind of coming up and you still had um like maroney and the falcones and like and those like fighting for territory i don't know that always intrigued me so i i would really kind of like to maybe see that come up maybe even if it's a you know you have like the court of owls and the mob and the like quote-unquote freaks who would be more of like the cobble pot enigma and them and see this huge like struggle for power in gotham right yeah i'm i'm kind of looking or looking at it as this would be a great opportunity to bring back harvey dent because we're probably going to see jim gordon on trial 
uh, for the death of Mario Falcone. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see, um, you know, as district attorney, you know, Harvey come back in and make a play because it, it kind of, the, that's the one guy I think is missing from the piece is that, you know, the we've gotten, you know, a lot of depth and a lot of growth from Penguin, Riddler. Um, it looks like we're going to see the reincarnation of Joker already because from the preview, oh, clips, yeah. we, we're, we're getting that back. Um you know the the fan theory of Barbara being, you know, uh, an early version of Harley Quinn or something like that. Um, you know, we we see like it's, uh, the car the Carmine Falcone growing to the mob boss that he'll be when Bruce becomes older and stuff. So the one person that is like to me is missing that is key to the Rogues Gallery is Two Face and you know yep. and getting really that Harvey Dent um, uh, kind of persona out there and maybe you put plant the seeds of that that transition to becoming two-faced so i hope you know somehow some way it works itself out if not it's not a big ordeal like i don't think it's gonna be a, a big killer to it but i think it's a it's a good sure. opportunity to introduce harvey back into the show because we haven't seen him since what season one or was he in the beginning part of season two yeah he might have been I, yeah i honestly can't remember he might have been in a little bit of season two but not he was not in the second half when they went into that, like, Millen's, you know, right. takeover and stuff. So, um, but, yeah, so it would be, I think that would be cool. Um, so, de- I'm definitely, like, that's, that episode really got me back into, uh, or not back into it, but uh, excited for the second half of this no, season. Yeah, it really did. I think the the major, like, I liked the Jervis Tetch part. The downfall for me, honestly, was the, the Barnes kind of yeah uh a storyline i just yeah. i felt like not only that but there were like three episodes or so for it and all of the storylines just weren't very interesting during that time yeah because it, it was mainly the barn storyline and bruce and selena's like like their love I don't know, story love story which i know is it, you know it's been a good nod to the comics but still it was just kind of like okay and then um the Cobblepot Enigma love story. It was just, it just seemed to kind of be a little bland. So the last two really picked up and it has made me really excited for um, the second half of the season. All right. um, Moving on into three out of the four of the big four part crossover event. The first time in TV history that four separate shows uh, continue a storyline over four uh, nights. Um, it's happened before, but with the same show having um, either you know the four nights in a row or uh, like a Monday Tuesday. Like I've I've seen a couple different uh, uh, articles on it, but this was the first time in in TV history we had four separate shows carry over the story. Now the the big complaint is is that technically after watching Supergirl, it that really wasn't a part yeah. of the crossover story um and after reading a couple of interviews from greg berlanti and some of the other producers of supergirl you kind of understand why it was mm-hmm. uh it didn't happen that way um but this is kind of the first episode you saw full on mm-hmm. all the way through and stuff like that and so you were you were entertained by it just being a supergirl you, episode i was and i didn't really even feel like i, I would you know i could follow along for what in general with some who some of the characters were like the um obviously like the luther family like i didn't know specific people but i could kind of kind of pick up on it so right even though i jumped in it wasn't like i was completely lost you know when it was um you know 
Martian Manhunter and had uh, was taken over by the White Martian. Like you know, mm-hmm. I understood all of that and it made sense. Um, Did you pick up the Cyborg Superman though? Yeah, uh, I yes, but that was only because I had read something about it beforehand. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I could kind of uh, um, understand that, especially once I got into it a little bit more. Um, the girl that plays Supergirl, I think, does a great job. Oh yeah, Melissa um, Benoist. She, she, yeah, like, she, she was is really entertaining. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed her. Um, yeah, it, you know, it was it was good, but yeah, I I was surprised that. I guess my first initial reaction was I, I was surprised that there wasn't more to the like four part series, but at right. the same time it does make sense because out of the four, it's probably, I don't want to say the least popular, but the least known since it just yeah, kind of transferred over. Yeah. 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 So I think they handled that well, that kind of, you know, they had the wormhole the one time and then there at the end when they came in, I think that made sense rather than to, you know, I think, it did a couple things. I think it probably got some people to watch it and give it more exposure. Right. But didn't make it necessarily detrimental to um, the entire four-part series that you had to watch that one, if that makes sense. Right. And I think, you know, when we go into, like, Flash and Arrow, um, that each, even though it's a four-part four crossover event, really each show is its own entity and doesn't rely on the other ones that you can mm-hmm. almost do it with like you didn't even have to call it a crossover event you just kind of hey some of the guys are going to show up here and there um but yeah with supergirl i i at first was kind of disappointed but then watching it i watched it a second time mm-hmm. over again um it was a you know overall a good episode you know um mm-hmm. you know it, it's it, it tackles that issue, you know, of the, the alien races coming in and invading, you know, Earth, um, not necessarily as an invasion for violence, but, you know, how you have this this hatred towards something new, especially after the introduction of Supergirl, and there's more and more aliens coming to the Earth, not to be bad guys, but just to live on. And so, um, you know, that, that, that battle between, you know, new and old and stuff like that kind of you know, took over, but yeah, I mean, for what Supergirl is right now in the CW, if what I'm impressed with is the amount of, um, money that's gone into production for this show, because even when it was on CBS, you knew that it was going to get a heavy amount of, uh, a heavy budget. And so you're going to have a lot of CGI with the flying and all the, the different, uh, uh, transformations of Martian Manhunter and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when it moved to the CW, you know, when you watch Arrow and even Flash, they limit how much CGI is even in the show and they keep it to, you know, basically a five minute scale. But for this episode, they made sure that even though it didn't have a lot of depth in the crossover, that you were thoroughly entertained. And so whether it was the flying, um, the the battles that are taking place and stuff like that, it, it definitely. Um, entertained and I thought for the most part anybody who came in new to this show you know can at least hold that that episode you know holds up with the rest of the shows and then it will give definitely give it a shot in the in the future um, and so um, it, the the storyline of it you know so so but then it was cool to see Cisco kind of pop in right there at the end and stuff and mm-hmm. um, and you know they they still didn't know if they were right at the right place and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so now kind of really in the meat of the crossover event is uh, the Flash, and so to me on my review, I thought that this 
um, episode and the way that everything was handled with the crossover was perfect. The mm-hmm. amount of time to introduce the aliens, it was perfect. Not too, you know, not too much time spent on, you know, we know that aliens, when they come to Earth, they're here to destroy. So you don't have to go really go back uh, a backstory. Um, the amount of time it took to put the team together, perfect. Get in, get out, get the team. Um, but I could not believe the, uh, the um, storyline uh, behind uh, Barry's message that was in Legends of Tomorrow with Stein, that Stein and Jax overheard about Barry from the future and how he can't be trusted, and then how it kind of ties into the season one where remember yeah. Reverse Flash is constantly looking at that newspaper. And I, I'm telling you, I think we're gonna get may, maybe not next year or something. Like that, um, but if this if this kind of four or maybe even five shows you know who knows down the line we could get a crisis on infinite earth um, yep. storyline because if they keep coming back to that newspaper you know eventually that there's got to be some way that they address it in the show and that to me is what like that little easter egg right there and how they keep coming back to it just keeps my hopes up that hopefully we get a crisis on infinite earth style of a crossover event which would be amazing um so like what like what was your favorite part of the episode um the favorite part of the episode was probably that they didn't run after a random metahuman honestly oh i know Um, that was amazing right yeah i i think that's honestly why i mean aside from many other things but i think that's one of the reasons why it was so good is because the plot was focused on kind of a main area and you know, with that, I first of all, I love the um, the Star Labs um, like hangar or whatever oh, you want to yeah. call it, which it looks exactly like the Hall of Justice. Right. Yes. Yes. When which you texted I me that, was I was so like, cool. "You were right on on that." It looks exact because I mean, I always had the 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 toy of it growing up. I remember, but it looks exactly like it, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, you know, the balance between characters was so well done. Um, and something, and we'll get into it more with Arrow too. But I, I really think Barry and um, Oliver are really becoming foils of each other. You know, they yes. really balance each other out because you know Barry is obviously having a very, very hard time with everything. And you know, they find out, and the people talk about, it, and obviously there are a lot of people extremely disappointed in him and oliver's used to having people disappointed in him you know what i mean i mean oh, realistically yeah. and we'll talk about that more later but then you know even though that happens you know i think with oliver talking to barry um and saying like like i would have done the same thing and really opening up to him you know really it, it was a great um i don't know just a a great way to bring these characters together who you know they seem drastically different and they are but if you think about of all the characters to really side with barry during all this and it's oliver who is probably the uh, the you know other either most popular or whatever way you want to look at it most kind of um in that leadership role you know and he's very because of what Oliver's been through, 
you know, it's it's like he can empathize empathize right. with Barry. You know, he's like, oh, Cisco even said, well, I I want Oliver to be the leader. You know, and Oliver's like, no, this this is Barry. Barry's got this. Yep. Yeah. And just that voice of reason, almost. You know, what would have been awesome though. It would have been such like a shot at Marvel is to have Oliver say, "With with great power comes great responsibility." Oh, yeah. oh my god, because <laughs> that was like the perfect moment, yeah, and that was like yeah. the, the the talk that they were having and stuff and everything. So that was. Um, yeah, no, I I, re- I agree with you on that. Like, I I honestly think that this show has really grown in those two characters and how they they really play off of each other. So, like, you know, and what I'm starting to realize too is that the reason why Oliver is so you know the kind of the big brother figure to Barry is that this is kind of Barry's um, time on the island that Oliver went through oh, yeah. the first yeah. five years of you know growing and making those mistakes and everything that and living with those mistakes. You know, yep. that he held with him for so long and now you know oliver's like look I've, I've been in that situation before already so even though that they're kind of both new at being the superhero oliver already has a leg up and barry's going through those same trials that oliver's you know went through on the island and we're seeing that not through flashbacks but just actually going through and being you know the who he is as the flash well, and you're seeing the, those changes in oliver too to even open up to barry right. that's what barry said when he explains about how his father killed himself and how Slade Wilson killed his, his mom in front of his sister, you know, very, very, like, I never knew any of that, you know, and just the fact, because as we know, like Oliver's always played it close to the chest, you know? And, and part of that is because when he has opened up, people have gotten hurt or died. But, um, you know, so he's, I don't know. He, he's, his character is changing and, and I think it's going to continue to change. I'll talk about yeah. that more when we talk about Arrow. But um, yeah, I, I what I enjoy about the this crossover event as well is that it's obviously entertaining. You know, you have the like fantastical with the um, dominators, which is you know, which is fine because mm-hmm. of, of what it is. But that it's it's been really emotional, right? Well, I mean, like the flashpoint effects. Like we finally got you know more out of that. Like. You know, you and I had talked how so dis- we were so disappointed in how Flashpoint kind of ended yeah. that episode. But the lingering effects that continue to roll on and roll on. So we now know that Stein has a daughter. But was it because yeah. of Flashpoint or was it because of Stein inter- interacting with his younger self in time? Now right. Diggle finally knows that he originally had a daughter and not a son. And that kind of threw him for a loop, you know. It's it's almost like saying you had a kid and it was and the kid was killed, you know, and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it looked on his on his face. And Cisco, uh, with last week's episode, oh, brother, you know, right. with his brother, you know, he just kind of dealt with that and gotten over it. And then you know, Caitlin as Killer Frost exposes that, even though no one really wanted to know what they were like pre Flashpoint, it's starting to come out, and it's all yep. the all the cracks that Barry was trying to hide is, is starting to be exposed, and so it, all the 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 hurt that's going on is crazy, and it go, it rolls over in the Arrow. But what made what dis, what made the big distinction between Flash and Arrow this week was that Flash maintained its humor, um, whether yes. it was Mick refusing to call Supergirl Supergirl <laughs> call and call her skirt, skirt. it was, was so hilarious. You know, uh, you know Harrison Wells is the new like HR, you know, hit fly kid, you know, type guy and stuff like that. And training, you know, agreeing to train, uh, you know, Wally as Kid Flash and everything. But um, the, even the only 
I'm sorry, God. Oh, but like even some of the like jokes that came out of Oliver, you know, this week and stuff. Oh yeah, that, you know, yeah. I thought like the, that's what made the show kind of different from Arrow. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that was, like I said, this is completely, completely minor. Uh-huh. Um, but that I kind of thought that was, I don't know, just different is that, you know, <laughs> so you have Barry around, um, around Mick, right? Right. And, I mean, you know, these are two individuals who are fairly, you know, they're fairly, I mean, the rogues gallery, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like Flash's rogue gallery, like they're enemies, but this is kind of like, yeah, okay, hey, what's up? You know, sort of a thing. Um, but uh, that's obviously, you know, like I said, it's extremely minor just because, right. you know, I mean, that's, you, you can't spend the time on well, that like, sort of thing. Speaking of minor, they even addressed, and I was like, I, it, I, I completely forgot about it, but they addressed Leonard Snart. Like, yeah. you know, Barry was like, you know, pulls Ray, you know, where's where's Snart at? And I was like, oh, that's right. He didn't even know that Snart is, is dead and stuff like that. So right. that was something I was like, wow, way to remember and put that in. And then I still wonder though, because isn't he isn't Wentworth Miller still under contract? Yeah, but it's not a full. Um, he's not on. Is it kind of like the one that, um, like, uh, Barrowman's uh, Katie now Cassidy on. and uh, yeah, and isn't Katie Cassidy have one of those Katie too? Katie Cassidy as well. So like Barrowman okay. went from a series regular to um, he's just going to be on certain episodes and stuff like. So now he can tr- transfer from the Flash to uh, Legends. Of them, right. and so, okay. So like I think this year he's going to be mainly focused on Legends of Tomorrow because mm-hmm. supposedly he will join up with. Um, Eobor Thawne and Damian Dark and so yeah. to be you know the bad group and stuff right um, and then uh, so yeah it's Leonard is is gonna be somehow some way back on one of the shows they just don't gotcha so he has that contract but he's full on filming uh, Prison Break you know, right 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 now. Um, but yeah that that show ultimately like for like I got teary eyed from it because it was when that scene where they got the entire team together and Supergirl flies in and stuff, I was like, how long really have, cool, yeah. you know, has I waited, you know, to see something like this? You know, we got the Avengers and I was super excited about it. You know, Star Wars is starting to make it, you know, is, is, is coming back now in full scale. And right. Stuff. It seemed very League, like, you know, it seemed very like silver age. Too. Right. Yes. And that's with, what I like. The aliens. Right. And just, and yeah, that's what, and I think that's what got me so emotional was that this really hit home for me as being, you know, uh, a guy who grew up in the '90s with those comic books. That this was the the style of storyline that I'm looking for. You know, granted, the Avengers is great, Justice League will probably be great, the new Star Wars movies will be great. But growing up, like the only thing we had growing up was, um, you know, the the comic books and then the some of the cartoon shows, and that was it. And we would just if die just to see something like this ever happen and stuff so i was thoroughly impressed and then then we get into the ooh, like super emotional i could not even like contain oh my gosh, myself yeah. uh, uh of air episode of era the 100th episode part of the crossover but my gosh this one was so gut-wrenching so you know the the major characters of arrow get abducted by the aliens and we get a like uh, an alternative universe or alternative you know um timeline you know that they're they're living in where everyone is alive and and that scene where you see um katie cassidy come out as you know laura lance from the shower and stuff and 
and you see Oliver and, and Laura, like, you know, it's Green Arrow, Black Canary, and, you know, they're getting married. It's like, that's how the comics are and stuff. But as this episode progressed, it went from, wow, this is a, you know, a happy, you know, ending story to like, oh my gosh, this is going to end in complete, utter mm-hmm. disappointment and um, emotional, having to walk away from everything. And the scene with uh, Oliver and Thea, you know, oh, yeah. how Thea could not walk away. That I mean, that was just I tell you, and I agree, I, I thought the whole thing was emotional. I'm very... You know, like I said, nostalgic, and I also like when like all the enemies are guy. You know, I thought right. all that was great. You know, having Deathstroke, Damian Dark, and um, Dark Arch, like you know, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, just his parents and just the the conversations that I had. The thing that really got me was right before he walked into the portal, though. Right. And there was everyone there who honestly he felt that he had disappointed in some way, shape, or form, and they all had something positive to say to them. Which is why I think he's his character might start to get a little bit closer to like the actual Green Arrow that we know from the comics, mm-hmm. um, and not really as much as the the brooding part because I, I, with this like dream or whatever you want to call it, you know, there was a lot of realization for Oliver right. because he he had just told Barry I would I would definitely do the same thing to have my family back exactly, and he had that opportunity. But he realized that it wasn't real, which is another way that I, I it shows a couple, he is more kind of mature in his I don't know superhero nature if you want to call it that yep. than Barry, which makes sense. But um, just as that mentor role, but you know because he he just said that and then he lived it and he's like, well, this isn't what it is though, as nice as it is, right? To walk um, away from maybe, that was crazy, right? And maybe he learned something from Barry. And that aspect, too, you know, because Barry even said that how great it was. But then he realized that it wasn't right, you know. And also, he has that talk with Thea, you know, because Thea says, maybe this is your reward for all the good you've done. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't do it for a reward. I do it because it's right. And then also at the end, like, I feel like he felt like he had to do it in seasons like one and two. You know, like he was doing it for his dad. Right. Yep. And then. That started to change. And then it was almost like he was doing it to avenge all of the people that he either disappointed or that died. And even when he was starting the new Team Arrow this season, he he had that in the back of his mind. He said, I can't I can't do this. I can't get more people in here because what if they die? And Mm -hmm. then there at the very end, before he goes into the portal, like, you know, each character, you know, Laurel, his mom, dad. Felicity Tommy um, uh, t- and Tommy was the main one you know yeah. that said you you aren't a bad person you're a hero yep. and I really feel like that kind of helped alleviate some of that baggage yeah. for him and then I didn't even really notice until I had to watch it again but that was actually Roy uh, his uh, uh, arsenal in there and stuff and it was like it oh, was yeah. really uh-huh. bad CGI but yeah, I guess they yeah, couldn't get all. Colton Hayes in there to, to do it so um, oh was that what it was yeah, yeah. So I was like oh it was really bad CG. I was like, who is that? And then I was like, well, yeah. oh, it's supposed to be Colton Hayes. You know, it's supposed to be Arsenal. But um, what I was wondering, too, because with the other ones, like their their lips were actually moving. And yeah. I felt like for his, it wasn't or something. No, yeah, it I wasn't, it, which was weird. I don't, you know, I guess scheduling or whatever they couldn't. So, but there were three um, characters that were not 
in this episode, as the 100th episode, that I think purposefully were left off, and I think it's because of your theory of who uh, Prometheus is. So you've had a theory that Prometheus was either Malfei or um, or Slade, and uh-huh. those two were missing. Even though you uh-huh. had Deathstroke, it, the mask never, never came him. off. You yeah. never saw it was actually Slade. But then also the shadow wasn't in there. And I think yep. for as important shadow was for Oliver becoming Green Arrow, they, to not incorporate her. So could well, it be talk- that yeah. Prometheus is shadow? Yeah, you know, and that's something I've heard fan theories. And yeah, you're, you know, that could definitely be it. Because here's the thing is with, um, you know, my, my original theory was the Tommy Merlin thing. And I... You know, the more the season goes on, the more I doubt that's going to happen. Right. I mean, it's a possibility that it could. I still think it would be cool. But, I mean, there are other way. I feel like, especially after seeing that, like, I don't know, dream of him saying, like, you're a hero, makes me think that that probably won't happen. Right. I don't think so. But yeah. I think putting him in, in there the right same, at the end. Yeah. And I think that in the same token, though, what you said is that, I mean, one of his biggest disappointments and letdowns would have been the death of shadow right you know so and by not putting I, her in this episode yeah. i'm wondering is this a it was that for a reason was that a main purpose of it you know of because i know it was mainly oliver's family but the, the death of shadow was just as important you know oh my gosh, to yeah. oliver's storyline as his father's death you know and everyone else so so i agree- think yeah, I think at this point it could either be Malfei because he he is trying to avenge Shadow's get, death, avenge Shadow's death, or it it is Shadow, whether it's Flashpoint or or who knows, but it is Shadow because you know obviously she would have known everything from the island as well, um, and I I really kind of feel like. I think you and I talked about this, that if Prometheus isn't Slade, I feel like Slade's behind it. Right. And there's a good chance that Artemis could be um, Rose Wilson. Right. Who Rose Wilson was Slade's daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yeah. So I feel like somehow, yeah, there's some combination of that in there because it's going to have to be someone who was on the island. Because especially with the incorporation of his father's book, I feel like the only people that knew that were people on the were the few people that he ran into on the island. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, unless we get a new like storyline in the flashbacks and and something pops yeah, up with true. that, you know, that's true. Um, that we haven't they haven't discussed yet. But yeah, that's like the the book is only known by the core group of people that w- was in the Malcolm Merlin group, and then right. Oliver and. Slade and Shadow, and that was it. And really, it was Shadow that he told the book about and stuff. And right, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. that I, like I was I was like kind of doing a check off list with that episode. You know, they said that everybody was coming back and everything, and I'm like, okay, this person's back, this person back. You know, you get Deathstroke, but you didn't see Slade, so I was like, wait, well, you know, maybe are they saving it? You know, I, there hasn't right. been an announcement that uh, Manu Bennett will be back as Slade, but. You know, this is such a, a fan favorite. Um, and but in in everything keeps telling like they keep telling us is that it's coming full circle. Everything's coming full circle. Well, the three people that started this show that weren't in the episode were Mal, Shadow, and and Slade. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they did it as Slade, 
you know, it would be great. It would be awesome. But I think it would be um, if either Mal or Shadow would be something that would kind of I be mean, like, okay, yes, this is even. Even if I mean, you think about it, it maybe Slade isn't behind it, right? And right. Slade is still gone, or or whatever he is. He's still locked and up te- in that island. Te- yeah, right. And technically, it could still even be like Shadow, and it still could be um, Artemis. May still be uh, Rose Wilson, his daughter, and, right, and his daughter is pissed off. You know, like mm-hmm. it could be any of they could be any of that. Yeah, you know, so. because oh, whoa! I just thought, ah, man, I don't know. Sorry, this just came to mind. I Okay, so never mind. I don't think it was Slade. Do you remember when Oliver was on the island? This is back in season 1. And someone gave him a picture of their daughter. Was it like the pilot or something? Um yeah, it was uh, there was a pilot that crashed and they yeah. got remember the parachute they it was like um it was it was Sarah oh, who okay. who ended mind. up keeping right. the the picture because it, it was a, that's it was right. A, he had a daughter and stuff like that, and she ends up yeah. seeing the daughter, but doesn't. Okay, say, uh, it's the yeah. chick that. Um, remember when Sarah comes back as Black Canary in the beginning, and she has the chick that's with her hanging. That's out? That's right. That She's up in the yeah. tower. Okay, yeah. never mind that. So, yeah, that's that's not the connection I was going for. But right. okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I think we're in for a hell of a second part of. Uh, we got one more episode before. Uh, the mid-season oh, finale yeah, and stuff. And I think it's just, it's going back. I mean, it's like you you and I both agree that this show is back to where it was season mm. one and season two, that it's, it, you can't miss an episode of it. Or if you miss an episode, you're basically out. Um, yeah. The consistency of Arrow I, this, this year has been just outstanding. I, I feel like at least they, you know, they went back with what works. Um, and yeah, next episode is supposed to be uh, the focus on Prometheus and Artemis, and he's going like I mean, Prometheus is going straight for him now. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know, I'm really excited to see what that what that looks like and what sort of cliffhanger we're going to be left with. Yeah. So the fourth part, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, we're actually recording this while the show's going on right now, so we haven't really seen it yet. Uh, Mark's actually watching it while we're recording, but uh, volume's kind of off right now, so. We'll kind of save our recap of that for next week and give our, you know, our full, you know, once again, full recap of how the crossover event went and stuff. But um, just kind of recapping really quick from last week's episode, it looks like um, the I, somehow, some way, I'm telling you that the Gideon um, in the Flash from season one and somehow in legends of tomorrow, the computer for the time, you know, the time ship and stuff like that. I think that's the ultimate play is that Eobor Thawne needs Gideon to, to really see the future and stuff like that. And I think he's just basically sending the team on, a, you know, on a major goose, you know, mm-hmm. uh, goose hunt in, in to get that computer because why, how else would you get Gideon? Um, you know, because that's advanced technology and everything like that. So, um, I think the play in the second half of this season, because it's like to me, I'm trying to figure out what what Eobard is really after. Because um, if it's not going after Barry, there's got to be something bigger at play here. Yeah. And you know, I keep on thinking, oh my God, crisis on infinite Earth, crisis on infinite Earth. But um, no, I'm the show. It's it's straight up. Like I told you, uh, I texted you the other night. It's it's, it's a parody of itself. It's like it makes yeah, fun of I itself like it and now, everything. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad it's it's gone that way. I was kind of a little disappointed. Um, 
like you know after the first episode they got rid of rip hunter and stuff i'm like what the hell you know you got rid of the main character but it works now the flow of the yeah, team I, works a lot better because i, I now, like vixen i like citizen steel yeah. you know oh I, citizen yeah, steel I, steals like he like steals the show um so yeah i like him nate um nate hayward uh mm-hmm. i mean the way him and Ray kind of work off of each other and stuff, it's it's perfect. And then taking the Adam suit away from Ray Palmer makes it so that, you know, you get a little bit more of the actual Ray Palmer character and you get a little bit more Brandon Routh instead of always flying in and hitting. And then the star of the show, to me, is Mick. Um, like, <laughs> He's been fighting the same. Oh, my gosh. Like, the, the one-liners he comes out with and just kind of, you know, his attitude. Ever since he kind of got away from that, they got his character you know, away from snart and stuff, but oh, from that hard ass and always mm-hmm. looking for the, the, the big steal and stuff like that, the big score, you know, it's really opened up his character and it's just like that show really knows how to work itself. They know the, to not take itself serious and just have fun with it. And it, it's been a blast. Um, so, um, is there any character, or any storyline because, I mean, Legends kind of opens it up for almost anything in the DC universe that would you like to see come out? Because um, we got Justice Society of America. We got Damian Dark and Eobard back. We get Vixen, Citizen Steel, Rip Hunter we've gotten and stuff like that. Is there a character you would like to see maybe from the future of DC or past the DC that we haven't seen on the uh, one of the shows yet? Um, You know, I... Who were they um, at the beginning of the season? They were talking about possible people who could make appearances, especially with time travel. I forget who exactly they were talking about, but um, yeah, I think it it leaves it for an opportunity to bring in characters. I would love to see. I I would love to see a nod, not necessarily the actual character. But I would love to see a, a nod, especially now that they're dealing with space and aliens and whatnot, to the Green Lantern Corps. Like, yes. I, I, I don't think it needs to be... Kind of like, like how said, the Flash did the Easter eggs with it? Yes. Like I said, I don't think it needs to be like you don't need to have Green Lantern there or something like that. But some sort of subtle nod to it or even if it's maybe a uh, an appearance from um, another member of green lantern Corps, you know what i mean something yep. along those lines i think would yeah. be pretty cool just I'm to kinda, once again yeah i'm kind of similar with you is that like i would like to see um maybe not green lantern but shazam um oh yeah that'd be cool kind of a nod to that because you know th- that movie is kind of is in production you know you have the rock is casted in there as uh black adam and stuff um but the like there's not really a popularity of Shazam and I think that would be a good way to get, you know, some of these newer fans of the show into that. And so that would they need to. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they need to, whether it's Shazam or whether it's gaining credibility, um, for Green Lantern again is, is they need to use it in a promotional way. Like, you know, like, Hey, you don't know, because I mean, legend, it's obviously popular, you know, I mean, it's not like the most popular out of the group, but still though it has a following, so, you know, you give, you know, Green Lantern Corps or Shazam or some character like that a little um, exposure yep. and it, it causes some interest. It causes people to be like, OK, well, who is this? Let's look them up. I mean, that's what, you know, I'm sure people did with Citizen Steel, you know, if they, if they didn't know who he was kind of like, OK, who is this? Let's look them up. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so even kind of just 
little subtle parts. It doesn't have to be like a full-time character or even a reoccurring character. It can just be, um, you know, something fairly temporary. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you with that. So, all right, moving on to an, um, we had such a great time talking about the crossover event and stuff. Like that. Now we got to move on to the, like a, a super bummer. Um, so this week we have the WWE pay-per-view TLC tables, ladders, and chairs. One of the mainstays of the attitude era of the WWE that stuck around through all the years. Um, and it's kind of, it's kept its own, you know, this pay-per-view is, is stayed true to its course and always and, and feature some of the, you know, the nostalgia to it. But some of the great matches of all time have come out of the TLC matches. Um, you just go on YouTube alone and see, you type in TLC, you know, and mm-hmm. you'll get some of the most craziest wrestling matches from WWE history on there. Um, what's shocking to me about this is that being that this is on, you know, being recorded on Thursday and the pay-per-views on Sunday, there are only six matches on the card right now. This seems like it's a UFC pay-per-view where <laughs> it's like, okay, we got six matches on the card, but if we need to go a little bit more, we'll put some of the undercards on and stuff. Right. Um, but I just can't believe it. And like your your main I mean, event is AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose in a TLC match. I just don't I don't get it when you I just don't think that even the some of the cards aren't even that great no. for, for a pay-per-view. Right. I mean, so really you know, quickly, it's, it's like for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, you got Heath Slater and Rhino versus Bray Watt and Randy Orton, Randy Orton, which that Bray Watt, Randy Orton match, like tag team is ridiculous to me. Then you have a it's chairs so we- match. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. I don't know. Then you have a chairs match. I've never even heard of just a chairs match, but chairs match between Callisto and Baron Corbin, which could be, which should be an undercard match. I mean, it shouldn't even be on television. Um, then you have the Intercontinental Champion, Miz versus Dolph Ziggler with ladder match. The Intercontinental Championship, let's be real, like, it, it's nowhere near what it used to be. Like, no. it doesn't really mean anything right. anymore. It doesn't. Like, I remember, I mean, there was a time when even, you know, I think, it, uh, early 2000s when, um, remember when Undertaker and Triple H, like, formed a partnership almost? Yes. But, like, Undertaker had the title, and Triple H, who was still big then, it wasn't like when he was up and coming, like, he was big, he mm-hmm. had had the title, had the Intercontinental title, like, the Intercontinental title was, like, just as exciting as the um, the main title, but yeah. the thing was, there were so many good wrestlers then. It was your up-and-comers that, that had the Intercontinental, it was yeah, that stepping even, stone. I almost feel like it even got to a point where, like, there were so many good wrestlers that like hell the rock had it at one point you know and yeah that it was almost like well here's the main title and this is a person that could have the main title but someone else has it right now so let's give him the intercontinental title right you know what i mean yeah i mean um, it, it was originally but, like started out as the the up-and-comers they were making their way into the show that needed you know um time to to kind of grow and stuff like that you gave them the intercontinental so that they could develop their characters so that they could get into the main event matches and so forth but now right it's, now you have i mean oh the miz and dolph ziggler we've like been around like forever we've seen the, oh we've we've just seen this sort of thing over and over it's just it's the fifth know. time they've gone against gone up against each other this year so i mean it's desperation mode um, yeah I, I don't know i just i i don't see this being a big seller. No, no, um, no, no. And then you got, need... you got Nikki Bella yeah. versus Carmella in a no no DQ match, which is, I mean, nothing. It's okay, but yeah. Right. 
And then you have Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown Women's Championship on a tables match. Now, this was gets this is what gets me is that I understand that you know the women's division is has grown and stuff like that. But in the TLC world, if you guys you know listeners ever remember, is that girls in the TLC matches really it doesn't work because they don't break through the tables yeah, as well. The, the we chairs saw that smacking. With, um... Um, Sasha Banks. Yes, Sasha. When like she just he, doesn't weigh enough. <laughs> yeah, they they don't bring enough force to to do it. Uh, the ladders matches and stuff just they can't carry the the heavy ladders around um, with enough force to to really swing them and stuff. So I think this is going to be a disaster. Uh, you know, I, I I'm all for the women's division and it's grown so well, but I think this is a bad idea putting. The no DQ match is it's smarter than just a tables match because I'm not saying that the women are weaker, but just the amount of force it takes. They're to, lighter. Yeah, they're, they're lighter. Just yeah. lighter. Physics yeah. just so unless you unless you manipulate the tables to break easier, then it's not going to work out. But then the main event is AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose, which is the TLC match. It's only one TLC match for the uh, World Championship, you know, and. I don't know. It just, I mean, AJ Styles is is flying acrobatic and stuff like that. So maybe, but those two, unless they really bring it, they're gonna have to really carry the entire pay per view. I mean, you're gonna have to see something off the charts. And so this yeah. this pay per view, I mean, to, let's be honest, it's gonna unless something changes in the next forty eight hours, it's gonna suck. You know? I really think what has hurt the WWE is the fact that they're isn't really a, a any competition no, for it. It's just no. I mean, no one's you know, them. yeah. Well, and I mean, just you know, when WCW obviously, but even when TNA was really kind of going, that was good. But that's mm-hmm. obviously hitting bankruptcy. And I just, the, I mean, it's it's really the only major major brand out there. So well, yeah, it's just kind of yeah, you're right. It can afford to be mediocre. Because think about it, like what brought in like the tables, ladders and chairs in the WWE, it was ECW with its hardcore matches. Yeah. You know, what brought in D generation X and like some of the like different affiliations was the WCW when they did the NWO. So yeah, you're right. Like the competition. Yep. It was when they see something working on another program, they copy it. And that's what kept it, you know, the writers and everything. Um, And, you know, I understand they're, they're going in a, in a very family friendly, friendly, uh, type of mindset and stuff like that but the you still got to provide entertainment um and so the tlc i think this will if i was in charge of the wwe i would just get rid of the tlc pay-per-view from here on out and just come up with something new um you know because this is true unless something happens in the next 48 hours because i mean you, you don't even have any major heavyweights fighting in this pay-per-view at all well and i feel like some of the weird things that they're trying to do right now so even if you look at the you know bray wyatt and randy orton combination like i feel like they're trying to do like a like a rock and sock combination you know like the just kind of the awkward combinations but you know when there was the rock and sock combination it both of those were like the highest characters in the industry you know it's just like I, i don't know i just is is weird and yeah the dynamics just don't seem to work no so well anybody who watches this let us know how it went i'm not gonna waste my time with it Uh, Um, uh. i'll just see the recap on monday night raw 
and see what happens to that. Um, so kind of wrapping up our show here, um, really quickly, uh, we're 16 days away from Rogue One. Um, how badass do you think Vader's going to be? You know, I think this is going to be kind of a weird comparison, but I feel excited about it. Like I did when I, um, there weren't a ton of things I liked about the, the prequels, the first three. Uh Um, I mean, you know, it had its parts, obviously Darth Maul and some of the other, other parts, but like when you actually saw Yoda fight for the first time, you know, and he would like, pulled out the lightsaber and he was fighting um count dooku and was like flying all over the place that was awesome right yeah and i feel like i'm just i remember how darth vader my first impression of him coming onto leia's ship like super pissed off and like i don't know i'm just he is going to i just have a feeling at the end of rogue one he's just gonna go to town on everybody and you're gonna see darth vader at his like in his prime right yeah going to town being that that strongest jedi that they had talked about that exactly. he could have been you know the only the, well, we've yet jedi, to see but... yeah we've only the only time that we've seen vader is as the old vader beaten and broken down you yeah know, in empire strikes back and in and return of the jedi um and then we didn't even get any any in the prequels except for one little clip and then the only time we've seen Vader is in the cartoon series of Rebels, and that's been, you know, just a little bit amount. But like, like you said, no, I agree. Like your analogy of it, um, but for me, it's gonna be. I can just see it right now. It. I remember it clear as day is when, even though Phantom Menace sucked, nothing will take away that moment when in the movie when everyone's walking in Naboo to the doorway to go mm-hmm. overtake the. the kingdom and the door opens up and you oh, see darth so awesome. maul standing right there so and then awesome. duel of the fates just starts playing and you're like oh yes here we go this is what i was waiting for for year upon year is to see you know the lightsaber battle of a lifetime and that's what like that's the the type of joy i'm gonna have when i see vader force choke someone out or you know oh, yeah. take his lightsaber and just literally just demolish everyone around him and stuff like that um, I don't even care if it's only for 15 minutes. Like Darth Maul's 15 minutes was amazing enough for yep. for me to like episode one. Like I will watch episode one just for Darth Maul. I, like Rogue One, I understand it's a it's a background story. I, like don't get me wrong, I'm gonna enjoy this movie no matter what. I just and I kind of you know in one of my articles I've written about it is the reason why I think I'm gonna love it so much is the lack of Jedi and. Um, Mm-hmm. And stuff, and this is going to be kind of the actual war movie that we, you know, that makes it Star Wars, you know, right? Because um, in the the original trilogy, you know, to me, the the highlights of the movies were always the battles, you know, whether whether it was the Battle of Death Star One or Battle of Death Star Two or the Battle of Hoth, you know, those to me were the highlights of the film. So this to me is going to be just like an entire battle scene type era. So to me like you said Darth Vader when he steps out and starts killing people left and right uh, I'll just they I'll, I'll, they can take all my money for that one yeah, yeah all right exactly yeah so um but yeah we'll go more into it we're kind of getting closer and closer I'm getting more excited for Rogue One um and then just kind of touching base uh, some new fan theories on the Power Rangers movie coming out so there was an image of the Rita Repulsa a full blown image body image of her and she looks like 
the Green Ranger. Um, and she's covered in green, but it's a tattered clothes um, uniform. And then she has her scepter, and inside the scepter is the green uh, power coin. So, two theories. Number one theory is that Rita will create the Green Ranger in this film. Theory number two, that Rita was the Green Ranger prior to these Power Rangers and that Zordon, you know, banishes her away. My question for you, Mark, which theory would you want it to happen? Rita creates I, the Green Ranger or Rita is the Green Ranger? Um, I want it to be both. Yo. So <laughs> what, what, I, what I would like is for, yeah, I think that'd be a really cool part of the story is if Rita was a former was a former Green Ranger and Zordon banished her for whatever reason and she tries to create another Green Ranger with her power but yet that Green Ranger ends up very much kind of like we saw in the original series joining the team right I I think I think that would be really cool as well like she's trying to make another one of of her but it doesn't go as she wants but then it still makes sense why there would be that the the evil connection kind of like there was in the original series as well. Cause I think that what that does is it kind of puts its own little twist, but still pays homage to the original, the original. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of the best of both worlds. I think that would be really yeah, cool. Cause I mean, let's be honest, the best storyline in the power ranger series out of all 25 oh, so years of it is the green with re- is green with evils uh, storyline where Tommy oh, yeah. becomes a green ranger. And the stuff. five episode. Right. Oh, that? My gosh. Was five episode. Oh yeah. It was awesome. It was the entire summer. It just absorbed. Oh, it so great. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, hell, if you're going to go like that and say you want both, then I want both too. Then I want Rita. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was just going to go with one or the other and have been happy with it. But yeah, if, oh, shoot. Nope, if, yeah, <laughs> both. Then yeah, definitely. But I think if you want to really sell this movie to the old crowd and also bring in a new crowd of Power Ranger fans in, you yep. kind of have to do that. You have to bring in the Green Ranger because for fans like you and me who grew up with the original series that's what sold us was the green ranger um oh yeah you know it, it was before that it was you know it was a good show it was only six episodes before they introduced the green ranger storyline but it was a good show but that when that happened and they brought tommy in and everything like that it was like yep. oh yeah the, i can just i can just watch this show for the rest of my life and well it was cool too because i think anytime there's like a character like yeah the power rangers then there's like another one An that's randomly one. Right. yeah it's, it's really it's like a cool interaction but then you know and then that one joins them and this and that it's just i mean i don't know i was like kind of when a that sort of um storyline kind of comes into play and i don't know it just always keeps me interested so i i want it to be both yeah and, and what i've loved about this so far is that the trailer and the images that have been released aren't really that revealing there's a lot of speculation but there's nothing that's out there that's like okay this is the storyline this is what we're going with so it it, like i love that it's kind of old school trailer you know you you get your one movie poster and you've got to figure out the movie you know like what's going to go on but you really don't know anything until you actually see it and i hope it stays that way um because just speculation alone is is got my intrigue and for a movie that I originally thought I wasn't going to go see, I was going to wait till it comes out on DVD. I'm like super excited about it now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Me too. Yeah. So that kind of wraps it up for us this week. Um, next week we'll dive into the overall recap of the four episode crossover event. Um, and then kind of talk about the, all the mid season finales that have gone on and then kind of 
just step into what we're going to be looking at, what we're going to be interested in over winter break, um, you know, setting up for the second half of a lot of the new seasons. But there will be a couple of new shows that will be starting up in the midseason era um, that we'll be kind of covering and talking about during then. So make sure you listen to us uh, next week. Also, make sure you uh, check out the Los Fanboys podcast that comes out weekly with Joseph, Mario, and Kelvin. They break down all the major film news, gossip, storylines, and TV, comic book news, too. If anything that hits mainstream, they cover it. Uh, Check out also Comic Uno's uh, weekly roundup that she posts on Mondays um, on the website. She gives her breakdown of uh, comic books and TV shows and films that you may not be watching or may not be aware of, but she gives her insight and kind of gives you a good detailed description of what you should really be watching that's out there you may not uh, be aware of. also check out Weekend Warrior with Edward Douglas. He's given all the great information, all the upcoming movies, uh, independent and mainstream that are coming out there. He's got some great interviews that he posts up. He's actually um, on, uh, what is it, um, I forgot what locations he at right now, but he's getting in a couple interviews that will be posted up probably in the next week or so. Um, and then make sure you check out our newest podcast, The Nine Panel Grid, with uh, Emmanuel and Jace. So they start breaking down comics on a weekly basis and diving into other you know, entertaining things that um, are entertaining them out on the West Coast. And um, shortly here, we should be getting a couple more podcasts and a couple more writers for the uh, website. So you know, keep checking back. Check us out on Apple News. Um, and look for all the great things we're giving away in this holiday season. So uh, we'll probably you know, get in touch with a couple people and see maybe we can get some promotional stuff on this show for our listeners out there. So uh, check us out next week, okay? Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.